I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hello everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me is my co-hostess with the mostest miss rachel moore what is up my gangsters uh as you can see we survived the zombie apocalypse and (laughs) and rachel is back from being a zombie lazarus pit in the backyard it comes in handy Yes, it does. And that strangely familiar dude that has a special set of skills helped me with it. And it got to work. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about this week in Geek. Um, and also we are going to have our special guest, Mr. Matthew Dow Smith, who, who we've had previously on. And we're going to dish on Doctor Who because this is officially the month of Who. Do, do, do. Sorry, I was, start, I was starting to sing the thing, and then I realized I started at the beginning of the intro, and nobody knows the beginning. I really know that. don't know. Yeah. Ooh. The only one that can do that is David <laughs> and John Barrowman together. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, move, well, let's get in right into the Week in Geek, because we do have a lot to talk about. And um, this also, this week, this week specifically, is Thor Week. And, uh, yeah. Yay, Loki! Actually, actually, we just—they should just call it Loki the movie. They should no. They, I still like my Thor movie. They should give me a Loki movie. They, they should just give in to the the Hiddles and and as we all have, and just give him his own film as Loki. Yes. Um. But so, Shield, <laughs> which has slowly tanked. It's slowly, even though they did get renewed or whatever, it's losing viewers quicker than you can even imagine i haven't watched for like two weeks i'm not gonna lie well and even though they they had that sort of trying episode last time um and they're supposedly having a creepy episode this week they're still just it uh, they're desperate they're doing the thor crossover and i'm like it's not supposed to be a crossover they're supposed to be the same universe right it and and the other thing is there's no guarantee from what I've gathered, there's no guarantee that we're going to even have <clears throat> anybody from the Thor movie in it. Right. So that's not much of a crossover to me. And you know Tom Hiddleston, who's doing ads on Comedy Central with little cute kids. Shoving them. <laughs> yeah, which was awesome. Um, he could just show up in costume. And it would be hilarious to see Coulson's reaction and his reaction to Coulson. 
There is a great scene there that could be made, and they're not probably going to do it. I think Comic-Con proved that you don't even have to write anything for Hiddleston. He just becomes Loki. He is. And, like, he, just let him go. That's of Loki. But anyway, the, the episode, there is going to be the crossover episode, which is going to be, I believe, next week's. And it's going to be directed by Jonathan Frakes. Yay! And it's called The Well. Make it so. So... I don't know. Like I said, the only thing that can possibly save this show is killing off Sky and making it darker. And, 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 you know, these characters that they've written are such cookie cutter characters now. They're really, they're not even Whedon-esque. They're just Whedon wannabe. And that's something considering that Whedon directed the first episode. And I, and I'm living in a Whedon wannabe world. I don't know. <laughs> a Whedon wannabe world. What would you do? Whedon went and wrote this crap. Um, so but Frakes, Frakes, you know, he's a good director. It, it, but you can only do with what you've got. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll watch that one. Not because of the crossover, but because Frakes. Well, and, and that's the other thing. Like I said, I, I have a real problem with the the fact that the la- the episode with the um, ESP stuff, um, uh, that they were having problems believing such a thing exists, <laughs> even though you have Asgardian gods running around. <laughs> but uh, you can't have ESP. And and then I had people telling me when I was arguing about this, well, they can't say the word mutant. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it, mutant, he, whatever. It doesn't matter. You don't have to say mutant, but don't have in a in a universe that supposedly has Doctor Effing Strange in it that ESP is something that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a real problem with this. It's just ridiculous to me. Anyway. So that's happening. Um, and also, just FYI, if you go on iTunes right now, there is free to download the uh, Thor to the Dark World uh, game, which is really, really good. Um, I actually am enjoying it. For a free game, it's it's brilliant and uh, has some great uh, graphics going on. And like I said, free to play, uh, free to download. Go grab it if you have an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, I would say an iPhone 5 because they tend not to make these things work on fours anymore. Um, hey, hey, speaking of games, can I can I do a quick thing? Is this about that? It's about Everjane. Yes. <laughs> Everjane said. is a Jane Austen MMO that is desperately trying to happen. Um, you can uh, you can support it on Kickstarter, and it's Ever, comma, Jane. And it is a Jane Austen MMO where you gain points for reputation or flirtiness or cleverness. Or my husband was like, can you, like, max out your needle-pointing skill? The answer is yes. And um, there are different rewards. Or, like, you can get an extra ball gown or, like, a horse and different things um, for how much you donate. And people who donate t- $10 or more get access to the game while it's in development. So support it because I want to see this thing happen. This is, like, my crack. Uh, this I, When I heard about this, thanks to you, I, I just was... I just was so dying at the fact that they have many games that have quilting in them and or yes! cross stitch, cross stitch. <laughs> so I found that funny, um, but uh, yeah, it it that is sort of sort of your crack. I I will say that <laughs> yes, yes it is. Yes. Um, but uh, moving on to uh, a rumored a, a rumor which I hope is true, Star Trek Three is happening. 
And um, the rumor is that they are going to try and get Joe Cornish to direct it. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it is because he directed the awesome Attack the Block. Mm-hmm. And he's also buds with Simon Pegg, which maybe means we'll get more Scotty. <laughs> which is always a good thing. Yay, Simon. Um, but I love Joe Cornish. He's a huge, huge geek uh, like us. He he loves the horror genre and he loves sci-fi. And um, that is definitely shown in Attack the Block. And uh, I think he would be a great fit. It would be a neat take and definitely different uh, than what J.J. Abrams has done. But not to say it would be bad. It would probably be as, as good, if not better, um, because it's a new, fresh take on it. And uh, like I said, he would maybe give more stuff for, for Scotty to do, which would be nice. Yay, Scotty. Uh, <laughs> so that is uh, the going bandering about the Internet right now. Uh, big news, though, for us horror fans who love our anthology movies. <laughs> the big news was it is official. Sort of like in uh, in the uh, Firefly universe type of uh, of a rebirth, uh, if you will. Trick or Treat was one of the best horror anthologies to come out in a very long time, and the movie was sort of screwed over by its studio when it came out, uh, and it was de- it was delayed by at least a couple of years before it finally was able to be seen. Well, and then then it wasn't advertised very well because I remember hearing it for the first time when you actually had a copy. And I was like, how did I not hear about this? Right. And and the thing is, the movie uh, did extraordinarily well on um, DVD mm-hmm. and people love it. I have friends that have actually, um, they have gotten in half their arm tattooed with characters and scenes from the film and it, it's just beautifully done movie nice throwback and it gave us an icon in sam well the big surprise was um brian singer and and everyone involved with the film even quinn lord who quinn lord who played sam who god now he looks like he's 20 and i feel really old was at this at this screening and they announced there is a sequel coming, Trick or Treat 2. Yay! So it is happening, and um, I, everybody had a, a freak out when this happened. And, w- and it was released online, to t- the news was. Um, so I am very, very excited. I, I, I don't know who all, what all stories are going to be involved. It's very, very new. Um, I don't know who's going to be writing it, but I am very excited about this. This is a big deal because, like I said, sort of like Firefly, this took on a life of its own. And um, now we're getting a sequel to this film, and I'm very stoked. Um, the other uh, franchise, which... Sadly, we are looking like we're going to get a sequel to It's <laughs> Saw 8. What? <laughs> the sequel no one asked for. <laughs> but maybe the sequel we all deserve. <laughs> in hell. Uh, so, yes, yeah, Saw 8. Now we're just living in a Saw movie where they keep making Saw movies. Oh, right? I, I just, I don't know why. Why, God? Why is this happening? Um, so... We are getting Saw 8, and uh, no word yet on what what quote-unquote story is going to be involved, <laughs> but yeah, that's going on. 
Uh, the other news in the uh, there's nothing there's nothing original going on anymore. <laughs> it's all sequels. It's all sequels. Um, the other uh, news about a sequel that is happening, it sounds like, and part of this is good news. Part of this is not, at least to me. The Beetlejuice sequel, which I believe I've talked about before, it sounds like Burton is on board to direct. Yes, all, that's what I heard. All direction is pointing to that. And um, also, Michael Keaton is, it sounds like it's a 99% that he is coming back to be Beetlejuice. Well, he has to. That's the only way I'll see it. Right, but... Here, I, I'm really taking a hard line on that. If he's not Beetlejuice, I'm not Here's interested. where things break down for Jessica. <laughs> Guess who is writing the script? Oh, no. Who? Seth Graham Smith. What the man who wrote Dark Shadows and who Ugh. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer, uh, Vampire Hunter, the script as well as the book, which somehow he wrote a script that was not even a tenth as good as his book was. Right. So the problem with Seth Graham Smith is he's really good at writing novels. He has no idea how to write screenplays, at least yeah. to me. Because the fact is, as much as you enjoy Dark Shadows, it was not the adaptation you were hoping for. Right. It, it, it was really lacking in character. I mean, and, and the part of that is the fact that Seth Graham Smith had never watched the show. So Ugh, he that had, explains so much. Well, even at the press conference when I was there, he admitted that he crammed like two or three discs worth of episodes right before he started writing it. And that's not how you write that show. No. And you love that show. You love that show. That's why the parts that were brilliant in Dark Shadows were brilliant was that was that Burton knew it and Depp knew it and Michelle Pfeiffer knew that show. Right. So that's why Elizabeth and Barnabas were two of the best characters. Well, yeah, Miss Shell Pfeiffer was pitch perfect. I mean, I just, that that was the reason for watching for me. If well, you ask my and, favorite part, it was her performance. Also, Johnny basically channeled Jonathan Fred. I mean, that's really what he did. And he was doing a spot on impression of Jonathan Fred as Barnabas. And that's because he knew the show. So I have a real problem with it um, being written by him. God knows. I mean, Hopefully Keaton will be able to take whatever he's given and run with it. But yeah, that's happening. Um, <laughs> and if we don't want it to, you know, but so much of that character, I think is, I think is it is Keaton. Michael Keaton. It is. I mean, you've that been... I think, you know, if, if he doesn't like it, he has the wherewithal to do something about it. Right. And I, I hope he does. Um, so the other part, <laughs> so they're releasing like this, blu-ray a special edition thing for twilight this week um did you see my post on that on the rachel fangirl facebook like yes facebook? and I, I i have to talk about it just because it is so <laughs> disturbing the twilight fandom has given us so many gifts <laughs> so many gifts that keep on giving and be it fake furry uteruses with little vampire fetuses in them to twy moms to God, the, some of the most disturbing tattoos I have ever <laughs> seen. But I think 
the cherry on the twilight cake is chakesmi, the very special ed-looking god why did they think this would work look at it oh my god i can't take it i'm going to douse myself in gasoline and light myself on fire to cleanse me of the viewing that i just had of this doll the best part is that the guys who said let's do the doll know it's horrible (laughs) no it's just the the most atrocious thing poor gal that played rosalie oh nikki he's just trying so hard (laughs) gosh i when that thing touches her i'm like get it off kill it with fire my god the the, whoever thought that was okay And, and here's what the best part we were laughing at how bad the CG baby was, but right. it, look at what we could have gotten. Yeah, I mean, it's so much. I, it, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, you know, the CG b- baby was creepy beyond all reason, but at least the actress didn't have to, like, continue to hold that thing. Like, <laughs> Can you imagine uh, Taylor? When she, kiss, when she had to kiss its forehead, you saw her, like, soul die a little bit. <laughs> well, and, and, and the be- But the best part is, though, I, I would almost have... I almost wish they'd used it because we'd have to see Taylor Lautner fang his attraction to that thing. And that would have been worth it to see Lama oh. have to deal with such as me at all. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Bad. It's just not okay. But, and, and you know what would have been funny was I, I got in trouble. My friends and I, when we went and saw the second Twilight, the, the, the second uh, Breaking Dawn movie. We were laughing our asses off the entire time. But, and we got in trouble. Some t- some 55-year-old woman in front of us turned around and told us, we're trying to enjoy this. Will you please stop? And we're like, you know, what the hell? And do you really, you don't want us mocking the, the love scene? The oh, sparkle orgasm. That's all I have to say. Sparkle orgasm. Uh, if that doll had been in the movie, we would have been kicked out. <laughs> there would have been either there would have been a fight breaking out between us and the 55 year old my mom who didn't have a kid with her, by the way. She oh, was yeah. there on her own. Um, and, or, you know, it would have ended in bloodshed. Uh, yeah. So moving on, you have to go check this out, though. It is an extra that they they put on this Blu-ray release and they admit to their their the dorkiness of it. it that That's what I appreciate. <laughs> the whole thing. They admit it's a horrible, horrible creation that they've made. And and yeah, somewhere an angel died that day when that thing <laughs> started moving. Um, So it sounds like Rachel Fables is ending with issue 150. Yeah. Yeah, that it, it's finally happening. They're going to they've had a good run. I mean, for for that title. And it means that someday I can own all of them. Yes, as we know. And I thought you almost did already. Cause... No, I only own the first nine trades, like not the um, individual, but the uh, collections, the actual softbacks. Gotcha. I own the first nine. So just, you know, for Christmas or whatever, just keep in mind. By the way, I want to publicly thank you for, um, since I was at school, being a good person and (laughs) doing my school and couldn't go to make sure I got the first issues of um, the new Sandman. Oh, yes. Jessica 
Jessica went out and, and procured them for me. Yes, and they're they're actually I'm 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 holding them right now. Um, <gasps> I can't wait to have them. I'm going to spill soda on it as we speak. No, no, no. <laughs> ah, the the Sandman Overture, and they have two different covers. I would suggest just getting both covers because they're both really they're really pretty. Uh, if you can find both covers at this point, at this late a date, um, and it, as of this airing. Uh, Comixology had all of the Sandman comics for 99 cents an issue, mm-hmm. um, and, but that sale has ended. And, but they did that in celebration of the um, the new release. Uh, but and and I grabbed a few. I grabbed them. I'm gonna say, Comixology is my crack. It's <laughs> evil. It's evil. Uh, so. With that, um, a couple of recaps and reviews. Uh, I know Rachel is finally catching up on Sleepy Hollow. I I gave up trying to catch up before the episode. It was either record Fangirl or watch Sleepy Hollow. This is what I do for the love of this show. (laughs) Oh, Ichabod. (sighs) Bod being the third. the, the, The greatest thing about it is that they are, they may manage to make drama without making drama like nobody's crappy there's no soap opera-iness people talk about things and resolve them in an intelligent manner right and and the other thing is i love the mythos that they've built around it and um there's uh in this last episode which is called the sin eater uh we get more background on ichabod and how he met katrina uh, I'm going to try not to do as much spoiling as I as uh, as I can since she's not watched the episode yet. But it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. I I love Abby. She's not an annoying heroine character, which they could easily have made her. She's believable and she's not mushy with her relationship with Ichabod. I like that. It's more friendship, you know, right now and. And there's always this, and, and in this relationship, the the ex, which is his wife, who is a ghost, is always there. It, it's it's you know you can't ignore Katrina; she is there. So, um, I really really love this episode. And there's two two really awesome things that happened in this episode that that I have to squee about. One is John Noble is in this episode, and the other is James Rain is in this episode. <laughs> gave us two awesome genre actors added. I love James Frain. Has he's even he's been grim. He's been oh, I love him. He he is made to be and as I will I'll say it again. I I think I freaked him out a little or made him laugh when I saw him walk by me at Comic-Con and I just went oh. <laughs> and just followed him like Stewie head as he <laughs> <laughs> on his cell phone because I I just did not expect, hey, there's James Frey. And there he is walking by me. And he grinned because he knew. And I'm like, ah, he knew. She, she knows who I am. Um, so, yay. And um, they leave. I, I, this isn't really spoiling anything, but they leave it open for them to come back, which is a great thing. We already knew John Noble would probably be a recurring uh, character in this. So, and even if you die in the show, there's always a good chance that you're going to pop back up. 
So moving on to Dr. Hoodum, because this month is the month of who, uh, we have uh, coming out on the 21st, Rachel, mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman is the last author for the 11 short stories of who. Yes. And he has written one that he's created a totally new bad guy for the doctor. <laughs> and what's cool is his uh, actually has a young version of Amy Pond in it, according oh. to the synopsis. So here's the synopsis. It's called um, uh, Nowhere a Clock, I think, is the name of it. Mm-hmm. And it says, thousands of years ago, Time Lords built a prison for the kin. They made it utterly impregnable and unreachable. As long as Time Lords existed, the kin would be trapped forever and the universe would be safe. They had planned for everything. Everything, that is, other than the Time War and the fall of Gallifrey. Now, oh <laughs> Now the kin are free again, and there's only one Time Lord left in the universe who can stop them. So November 21st, right before the 50th anniversary special airs, Neil Gaiman's Doctor Who short will be released. And then two days after that, uh, the e-shorts all come out in a paperback. So all 11 short stories will be available in a paperback. I don't think it's going to be released here in the States in paperback. But um, we will probably be able to get a download uh, via... But I have to have it via Kindle. Well, right when it comes out on the twenty first, it will be an ebook. Yeah, but I have to have it. You can get it on an ebook. That's for that's my little game and shelf. I have to have. It. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're understanding. <laughs> um. So yeah, that Rachel may have a problem. She may have to go to Amazon.com UK to get it, but it will be available in a paperback. Uh, so with that, I'm going to see if we have our special guest available. So one moment. So everybody, welcome Matthew Dow Smith back to the show. I think you may be this maybe your third appearance. It's my third appearance. Thank you for having me back again. Yay! Did she get some okay. kind of special badge for that. I know. Yeah, I want a ribbon, please. I may have to get you a TARDIS blue ribbon or something. That <laughs> may have to happen. I'm okay with that. Because it's taunting me on his website. Um, Matt has been drawing the 12th Doctor. Well, not officially. I've been drawing not officially, the but you've been sketching him. I've been sketching him. Uh, that The thing, the funny thing, they announced who it was going to be. And I think we had talked, we had talked last time, like, you know, they, like I really wanted it to be Capaldi. And I didn't think it was going to be Capaldi. And then it turned into Capaldi. And then it was Capaldi. And I told myself, I told myself that I wasn't going to draw him. <laughs> I told myself I was going to be good because I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy like online going, I want to draw more Doctor Who. <laughs> and so, and they announced it and I was working and I was sitting there working and then I just couldn't control myself. I. <laughs> I did. I did my my first two Capaldi sketches because he's actually like he's a really interesting face. It's a great face. It's it's an it's like a cushing face to me. Yeah, he's it, that craggy gaunt thing going. I on. mean, somebody was joking that because I, I I always have a problem with my art. There's a thing in comics where the more lines you add to a face, the older the character looks. So even if you use just like a little line to delineate like uh, a cheek or something. 
it can make the character look too old. Um, and someone was joking that finally there was a doctor I could like because there are lots of little lines I could draw. I'm like, yes, yes. Thank you, Moffat. Thank you very much. But, and of course, in, in the middle of all this, uh, IDW uh, has decided to let go of the uh, the Doctor Who license. So we're all sitting sitting around waiting to find out who's picking it up. Uh, and who's going to... That was one thing I wanted to ask you about. It was how does that affect you? Are you do you go with IDW or do you go with wherever the comic goes? Well, we're you know all comic book people uh, are are freelancers pretty much. I mean, there are a few who aren't, but most of us are just freelancers, and and we just go where the work is. Uh, for example, uh, I've been drawing Batman, so you know that's true. That's true. But so I- you just do everything. But so we're, uh, we're all kind of there's going to be this like huge like you know cattle cattle train the minute <laughs> the minute they announce who the new person is or the who the new company is all of us are going to be like oh i want to do it more well and and that was another part of this because i love finding out this this like inner workings of 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 things that i don't know that much about and, and comics are, are one of them in terms of what happens like okay say um marvel out of the blue picks up doctor who how does that affect how you work in terms of, of the comic? Because let's say Marvel picks it up and they say, Matt, we want you to come work for us on this. How does that go down? Well, one, I would be making a lot more money. <laughs> uh, and sad. I'd probably have a nicer car. <laughs> or, or at least a car that works a little more. <laughs> um uh, you know, I, and it, it's one of those things. It, um, I'm just to use the example. I, I think one of the rumors that's been going around, and and I, I can't confirm or deny it because I, I genuinely don't know. But one of the rumors was that uh, Titan Magazines or Titan Books was going to pick up the Doctor Who license. Mm-hmm. So you know, they're a different company than IDW. If somebody like that did it, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's very, very possible that they're just going to bring their own guys in. Uh, like it's Titan, it's a British company. There's no reason why they would use American guys. They would use the guys they know and they work with normally. Um, you know, at the same time, though, you kind of hope, well, you know, maybe they'll call me. Uh, so, you know, I so I kind of have emotionally prepared myself for the idea that, uh, you know, wherever it ends up, they might, might not want to use me. Um, and I kind of, so I got to, I, but... So IDW wraps up the license uh, in December. Uh, in November, so they're basically rushing out everything that, that they had planned uh, to make sure it gets out before the license runs. So I did, I did Prisoners of Time number eleven, which is the Matt Smith issue of the right. IDW fiftieth anniversary thing. So I got to do you know kind of the definitive Matt Smith uh, story for that. Um, as an artist, uh, which was crazy. Cause I got to draw, I don't want to give too much away, but I got to draw all the, like I got to draw like 30 of the companions. Oh my God. And I got to draw, a, there's, there's a, a, a little handful of panels where I got to draw each doctor. So, oh. so I got to do that. And it's kind of like, so there's that. And then, um, I don't and, know he's if you gonna, saw, and he's going to send me that piece of art. Ah. He's gonna- <laughs> I will give him my address and he's going to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Tell me after I have coffee. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then um, the other thing that I did is I did um, I got to write a 50th anniversary story that's going in the big uh, Blu-ray box set. Oh, wow. Done. So um, that that comes out in November. That's the big like I can't even afford this box set. <laughs> it's, like, it's like seasons one through seven. It's the one with the the, the remote control Sonic yeah. screwdriver in it. Oh my god, I want that. <laughs> so yeah, I want that, really that too, and not just for my comic. Uh, so, so I got to I got to write I got to write a comic that is going in that uh, box, and I got to write <laughs> got to. And again, I don't want to give anything away, but I got to do a lot of very, very nerdy things. <laughs> story, because I, I, um, this was always not the tension, but this was always the, the creative tension between Tony Lee and myself when Tony and I were doing so much Doctor Who stuff together. Is that Tony really loves those little fan moments? Tony loves what we would call fan service, and I actually tend to avoid them. Um, it's just we're different we're very different kinds of writers. I mean, we're both huge Doctor Who fans, but, you know, we kind of have different approaches to it. So they asked me to do this story for the Blu-ray, and they're basically like, we want as many nerdy references in there as possible. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm your guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, So it's just filled with, it's filled with references to things. And, um, we got, I got to the end of it. I didn't draw it. Um, I just got to write it, but we, I, I turned in the script and we're getting the pages in and the editor goes, you know, I know we might need to do like annotations or something. (laughs) What all this stuff is. And I'm like, no problem. (laughs) I sit down and I, I keep telling people the story. I really shouldn't tell people the story because it, it, it reveals just how much of a nerd I am. <laughs> I sat down and I wrote like little paragraph blurbs or short sentences for each little thing that was in there, including like, you know, what its first appearance was. Oh, that's awesome. And I didn't have to look anything up. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why he is our people. <laughs> I get to the end of it, I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> what is wrong with me? It's like, you know, here's here's the wolfweed from the episode, the fourth Doctor episode, the nightmare, uh, or the creatures, creature of the pit. And I'm like, oh, so that, yeah, so that weird square thing. Yeah. I never, I always thought it looked like a big blob of jello. The, oh, the the wolfweed thing. You know, yeah. the creature from the pit. That that thing oh, looked that, yeah. so weird. It was weird. Well, let's hear. <laughs> Let's hear it for 1970s production values. Hey, you know, they did better than what we could have done. Yeah, Oh, that's definitely true. Um, But yeah, so so I I kind of did what for me is sort of the definitive Matt Smith story. I got to write this 50th anniversary story that kind of like references all of my favorite Doctor Who episodes. And it's like, if this is it, if this is the end, if no one's going to pay me to do Doctor Who anymore, like, that's okay. I mean, obviously, it's my it's Doctor Who is my favorite thing in the world. It's this huge influence on everything that I do. But if that's the end, like those are the notes you want to end on. Yeah. But uh, having said that, I, I mean, I would I would obviously jump at the chance to do my, more more Doctor Who stuff. I'm I'm going to a Doctor Who convention this weekend. Uh, I'll be at the big Gallifrey One convention in March. But, you know, we, we just gen- – I, I genuinely don't know who's picking it up. There hasn't been an announcement yet. There there have been a few rumors, but, I mean, in this industry, 
you know, there are rumors about everything. And it changes uh, on a dime. Yeah, and it really does. I mean, these these license deals are really complicated to set up. I mean, people kind of just, uh, people take them a little bit for granted that, you know, oh, well, of course, there's this TV show that everybody loves. You know, of course, they can do a comic of it. But it, it is kind of complicated. And, and you you have to make sacrifices as a publisher. And, and the, the BBC has to make sacrifices. And, you know, so it, it does take a while for these things to, to work out. So I, I'm just hoping that at some point, I'm hoping at some point that, that I'll get to go and, and do more. Because um, I'm, but I'm also kind of glad because no one knows what Capaldi is going to look like. No one I- knows. What he's gonna act like? I want to know what his costume is. I know. I really want to know. I it's killing no me. It's killing me every day. So my inch by inch, my soul dies because I well, have to know. You know they're gonna do that thing where we're gonna see him finally in the uh, in Matt Smith's outfit, and he's gonna be in Matt Smith's outfit, and then we're gonna have to wait whatever six I, to nine months. God. <laughs> Because they're saying it's only gonna he's only gonna do it once there there's the rumor he's only gonna do it one season, which is retarded to me. If they yeah, use yeah. him for I don't think he'd only do it for one. My God, this is like his dream job. I, I the the rumor that's going I mean, you know, geez, like I said with comics, there are always rumors about everything. I if if he only does one season, I'd be really genuinely surprised. But there's no uh, way. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's too it. It was one thing to do it with Eccleston because Eccleston was well, Eccleston, right? And he uh, went in and he, he was only going to do one. Yeah, he he went in thinking, you know, whatever the rumors are. I think he went in. They went in with the idea. I think they went in with the idea to do like we'll use this this well known character actor and we'll start it off right. I think that's what they were doing. Right. Uh, I actually was expecting him to only do a year. I, I wasn't hugely surprised when they almost immediately announced. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing with Capaldi, I think this is something that he has been, he's a, he is the biggest fanboy ever. I know. He's a, he's a bigger nerd about it than we are. And, and that's really saying something. I, when I was reading this stuff, like I read this thing and, and to this day, if I ever meet him, I'm giving him this poster I'm looking at right now. I have hanging up in my room. He burned all of his geek stuff when he was young because like he had Peter Cushing autographs. He had autographs from Pertwee and Troughton and all kinds of stuff. And the reason he did it was he was, he was uh, bullied growing up because he was a big geek and he got bullied by teachers. He got bullied by other students. And it, it was like this stuff, maybe if I get rid of it, I'll not be weird anymore bullied and he to this day regrets the bonfire of the geekness because yeah that's all peter cushing autographs yeah that's that's right and so i'm like i have this doctor who in the daleks poster hanging in my room and if i ever get the chance to meet him i'm giving it to him oh because it's like here you need this. You've earned, you know, this is something. I don't know. He gets to be the doctor. Maybe you should give us. Ah. <laughs> oh, I get to meet uh, probably one of my favorite of the classic doctors this weekend. I'm actually really nervous about it. Is it Baker? <laughs> is it Baker? No, I mean, Baker, Tom Baker is, is obviously was my first doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he'll always have a special place in my heart, just like Sarah Jane, because they were kind of, it was actually, it, so it was, it was the fourth doctor, Sarah Jane, and uh, Harry. 
Yeah, everybody forgets Harry Sullivan, but me. I I yeah. love Harry Sullivan. Those were my first episodes, and like to me, they'll always sort of be the companions. And Sarah Jane, in particular, I mean, I think my generation of Doctor Who nerds are we all kind of we all love Sarah. She just was cool. Uh, but uh, but sort of my I really like S- Sylvester McCoy a lot. Like, <laughs> he's grown on me. At first, I didn't like his Doctor, but I think it was more Mel than anything else that I didn't like. Well, and Mel, I've gotten used to Mel. I wasn't a huge fan of Mel. I, I, I think, uh, in, in kind of looking back at it now, as I know more about writing and I know I know more about sort of how you put a TV show together. Like I know what I would have done with Mel. They didn't do what I would have done with Mel. So it's it's kind of not fair to criticize them based on that. But I struggle a little bit with Mel. But that that first season with McCoy is a little rocky, and I, yeah. I think. Even he says it was a little rocky. Well, and, when they and, bring in Ace to him, yeah. that's when it just starts. Yeah. It just and, and I love. I really loved where they were going with it. I loved. Uh, I I remember that was the point at which I kind of came back to Doctor Who. Um, when it was when I was in college, he was the Doctor when I was in college, and um, some I don't remember how somebody got got a was getting a hold of videotapes. My friend John Cuff in college and we would sit there and we would watch these uh these episodes of doctor who and and i just it was really like you know so this was that was like kind of what i would have done with the doctor like they made him dark again they made him a little more mysterious i loved all that stuff well and that's why he's so i I like him as radagast a lot oh yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and that's why I think he was sort of like that in Doctor Who. As when he finally got his stride in as the doctor, he became that mysterious man, sort of like a wizard, whimsical, but at the same time he could turn on that 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 look in his eye. He got that look, you know, like the glary kind of glitter in his eyes and and that's when you were like, "Hmm, there's something up with this well, guy." <laughs> He's he's a step towards what the current doctors are, right? He, yeah, he was he he. The, I mean, all the doctors after Hartnell. Yeah, I'm really going down the nerd. You know? <laughs> all all the doctors after Hartnell had that, and maybe we've talked about it before, but we had had that thing where they they're 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 sort of light and funny and quirky, but then they can turn on a dime and become really dark. Oh yeah, even Troughton. Yeah, and well, and, but yeah. Trout was the first one to really do that. And, I mean, it was funny because I was watching, I finally got around to watching some of those Doctor Revisited things because I've been a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was drawing Batman. I'm working on my book, The October Girl. I'm working on a novel. I was a little busy. <clears throat> um, but, you know, Tenet, Tenet said the same thing that I've been saying for years. And I think Moffat says it too in, in that, is that Troughton was the first... Troughton was where a lot of the Doctor stuff begins, which is why he's, of of the other classic Doctors, he's one of my favorites uh, as well. Well, and I was so excited. I I bought that, um, the first one where they had, uh, the the two Troughtons were the the found episodes. Oh, yeah, I have those two. Yeah, I snagged those quick. But the thing that I found interesting was Troughton always played a heavy in all the Hammer flicks. Mm-hmm. And so you put him as the doctor and it kind of makes sense that he'd be the one to bring that like darker, darker edge to the character. Yeah. You know, I, I, and Hartnell had like his Hartnell had his edge, too, but it was different. It wasn't 
it was like more a grumpiness. Yeah, he was old and grumpy. And yeah, uh, which we all kind of forget about the doctor. We always we always think of the doctor in more of that sort of Troughton vein. Uh, but he, yeah, he really was a grumpy, grumpy old dude. Uh, yeah, and I I watched the Aztecs all the way through uh, thanks to that um, that doctors revisited, and it was interesting to see him. I love the the funny bits though. There were some funny funny bits with him, especially with the marriage proposal that he oh yeah like he was getting into. <laughs> well, that and that's the fun thing. Hartnell's doctor kind of softens because um, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Hartnell doctor beyond just the fact that he was the guy who started all this. Right. Uh, I and I, I now with the DVDs and things, I've been able to see more of those episodes, and 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 you kind of see he does have this fun little twinkle that. Um, that develops over time. Um, and the Aztecs is a good one because it's like at a point at which he and his companions are getting along for the most part. Right. <laughs> and they're starting to develop a real relationship. And it's an interesting story. I mean, of all of all the historical ones from those periods. And that's it. See, that's the thing with, with IDW going. Like, there are things that, like, I have, whenever I write a story, whenever I write a Doctor Who story, I, I kind of, as a fan, I go in kind of saying there's something like I want to do like I want to put a spin on a doctor a, a doctor who thing I want to just put my own uh, do my own little thing I've and everybody I, I've heard a bunch of times from the other comic book guys that they don't like doing historicals the historical stories mm-hmm. I I want to do my version of a historical story uh, and, and kind of put my my own spin, my own spin on what a Doctor Who historical story is. Uh, and of course, it, it's I, there's also my my. I really wanted to. I've always wanted to do a Doctor Who H.P. Lovecraft story. Oh God, that would be awesome. And, and it could be it could be really really nerdy, but I kind of came up with a way for it to work and feel like a Doctor Who story and not like a. I really like Doctor Who and H.P. Lovecraft. Well, you've got you've got the power of crawl, which I always <laughs> felt like yeah. was sort of the Lovecrafty story yeah. that they did. Yeah, it's it's got. I mean, it's got a very Lovecrafty thing. It's just shot. It's it was shot and made in a very non-Lovecrafty kind of way, right? Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it kind of took that idea and ran with it. But I, so you know, that's it. With there are still things with Doctor Who that I would really like to do. So, uh, have, so we'll see. I was curious. Have you heard? Kind of going back to the Capaldi thing, because I'm huh? curious what you think about this. The rumor that they're gonna they're going to explain why he has shown up in the Doctor Who universe already twice, once in the uh, Fires of Pompeii and then in Torchwood, um, Children of Earth. Yeah. Yeah, they, I've heard, I'd heard that too. I mean, I think it'll be a throwaway line. Well, I've heard that there's a reason. The, I, feel, I thought this was pretty brilliant because I, um, I don't know if this is fan talk, but it's, it's a... Uh, pretty brilliant theory which is the the reason he showed up in miracle day was because or i'm sorry children of earth was because he they balanced out the fact that he saved that entire family when he wasn't supposed to Mm. and Ah. and so what happened was he ended up killing the entire family and and in uh, Children of Earth, he that that tragedy happened because it had the balance, and then um, that is the guilt of that happening 
is why he picks that face. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, I, that's a slightly depress, a depressing I explanation. I know, right? <laughs> wow. The doc, uh, you're just a barrel of laughs tonight, Jess. Doctor yeah. carried guilt. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's rough. Um, yeah, I mean, it's they certainly could do that. I, I, I hope it's something a little more positive. <laughs> uh, I mean, for all the sort of inherent doc- darkness of of in the dark, the doctor. I, I, I do like the fact that at the end of the day, it's it's sort of an oddly happy, positive show, even as he's you know constantly fighting, you know. <laughs> universe destroying threats um it's still it's a show that that for me is always kind of fundamentally about hope and wonder oh yeah and death and destruction but you know oh that's gotta have that balance (laughs) yeah it's 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 gotta have that balance it's all about the balance um so yeah i mean it'll be nice if there's like a little nerdy little nod to it um but because, you know, I don't think they ever, I think with the Colin Baker thing, I don't think they ever referenced it. They didn't. They never, they never mentioned it. And But this is pretty predominant since he was in two separate things. Yeah, I mean, they'll definitely, they'll, it definitely makes sense to at least have a little throwaway line about it. I, you yeah. know, I don't think, well, I'm dying to see, I, I'm dying to see it, so. I heard that um, Russell Davies actually contacted Stephen Moffat and said, I have, I've had a storyline in mind for this. And Moffat said he was going with what Davies explained because it was better than what he had thought up. And so that yeah, got I, me excited because I love Davies. I, I, like, think it's, I think it's one of those, I think it's one of those discussions that just comes up when, you know, you have two massive uh, Doctor Who nerds in charge of Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure at, I'm sure, I'm sure at some bar somewhere <laughs> in, in Cardiff. They were sitting around going, hey, what was up with that whole Colin Baker thing where the doctor had the face of the guy? <laughs> and I'm sure they worked out their little fan, their little fan version of that, which is actually one of the things that I really, you know, you, you go on the Doctor Who sort of message board stuff, uh, like places like Gallifrey Base, and you have a lot of people really kind of arguing over the minutia. And, and I increasingly I've seen people really annoyed with Moffat for not explaining things. And I, my take on that was always, I actually really like that Moffat doesn't explain everything mm-hmm. and gives you a little bit of room to have those bar discussions with your doctor who friends. Right. When you sit and like, there's an, it's explained enough for most people to just keep going with it. But for hardcore fans, we now have an excuse to get a couple drinks and and argue over, you know, I'm trying to think what's, there are several things that people on the message boards are still annoyed with. The silence will fall thing is a big one. Oh, yeah. Uh, who really blew up the TARDIS? Uh, and most people think that's already been answered, but there are some people who think it doesn't. So let's get a couple drinks and talk about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I want—I think we're about to run out of time, but I wanted to—I wanted to um, mention one thing that Rachel may not be aware of is that you, and and I had kind of a quick question about this because I don't think I've asked. You worked on the Supernatural Orange Origin comics. I did. I did. Uh, I did the first Supernatural comic book miniseries, and I did one issue. I think in the third one, which uh, involved 
one of one of the Winchester boys getting his head chopped off <laughs> and being hey, carried around by the other one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I did a lot of supernatural stuff. I knew that, but what I want to talk about is October Girl because I'm obsessed oh, with it. You're the best. Thank you. There you go. I I freaking love it. It for for some reason whenever like the very first issue I thought um and and it, we'll tell them where to get it you can go okay. to go to comicsology.com uh it's it's a right now it's a digital exclusive comic um through monkey brain comics uh run by my friends uh Chris and Allison and they put them out through comicsology exclusively uh, and how's that for a sales pitch? They're, they're like 99 cents. And yeah, they're not, they're, they're, I'm doing it. In, I'm doing it in chapters and each, so each chapter is, is about 10 pages and they, I, I keep the price down to around 99 cents and you'll be happy to hear. I started work on, on more of them now. Yay. See, Yay. the thing people need to know about October girl though. Okay. Which I'm, I'm sure, you know, because you write it uh, <laughs> beautiful. I, I, is that It's beautiful. And um, the only when I first read it, it reminded me of um, the the book Dandelion Wine. Oh, I'm a huge Ray Bradbury fan. Yeah, is, and, and in fact, Dandelion Wine is one of my favorite books. And it mine too. And it has that kind of great um, atmosphere about it for something that is not just all about atmosphere. And it it has the intelligence, and it has the relatability but it has that beautiful atmosphere to it that i really go out of my way to look for in well, comic books and movies and so yeah so it, i just can't recommend it enough i love but it you of all people you of all people have to know the thing about her her costume right <laughs> you you've noticed the costume right oh yeah it's it's ramada 2's costume yeah yeah <laughs> The scarf. <laughs> I thought I thought more people would call me on. Or it's it's sort of a reference to Ramana II's costume because she was my favorite. She was my first crush. <laughs> she was, was also Tom Baker's favorite. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, she was. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's yeah. And October Girl is an interesting experience for me because it's 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 sort of it's got to because of the nature of working as a comic book artist, it has to be kind of a side project, right? Uh, because I, I do them myself. I, I basically just do them for the love of the story. And I've had that story in my head for like 20 years. I mean, pieces of that story have been in my head for like 20 years. And it's one of the few things, it's one of only kind of a handful of projects that have stayed alive in my head that long. Usually they kind of spin out. Like, you know, I always, there are various characters you kind of come up with stories with and then, you know, you don't really do them and they just kind of go away. And, but you know, this story and, and there's a couple of other stories that actually connect up to it, um, which will be very interesting to see because they all, there will all be hinted at in the October girl, um, <laughs> which is, which will be fun. Um, but yeah, so that, you know, all these things, it's just, it's just this really special project to me. It's kind of, it kind of is everything, it's kind of everything I love. It's, 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 you know, my love of things like Ray Bradbury. It's, it's got a lot of sort of Dr. Who sensibilities to it because that's just such a part of, of who I am as a creative person. And it's got, you know, all these shadows and it's, it's basically, I get to draw whatever I want because <laughs> I'm writing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, not. I'm well, and it shows, I think, because 
I I feel like when I read something like that, and I love it so much, you know that somebody just put a lot of heart and soul into it. And well, I sure, and so, I sure trying to. I, and I'm I'm so pleased you like it. I you know I I finally got. I've been kind of messing around with it. I finished all the scripts a while back uh, on the train because, you know. Don't tell me that because I'm desperate for more. I'm sitting here like there's only. I finished, I finished all the scripts with this first part. Uh, this first part. Uh, and so now it's just a process of, of, of finding time to do it. So I did a thing on Halloween. I did a live stream of, of work. Uh, I started drawing pages. So I did like the first five pages. Uh, I will probably redraw all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that on your blog, and it was really neat. Oh, thanks. Well, I it was weird. I, I I'm I'm probably going to redraw them, but at least you know it's I, I've got a starting point for those pages now and finish them up. And actually, I was hoping to have um, a couple more issues finished up soon. Uh, I don't know when they would come out, but hopefully, I'll have them soon. It's just between the Doctor Who stuff and and. Um, Batman now, uh, and I got a couple other things coming up that I can't talk about yet. Uh, you know, it's scheduling has been really interesting. Uh, and I haven't been getting a whole lot of sleep. (laughs) Well, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on again. And, uh, do you have any, um, can, can you just give us really quickly your, the locations for us to get your stuff one more time? Um, well, I'm on Facebook. There's a Facebook pa- fan page. I have a website, which actually changed. It used to be Matthew Dow Smith, but apparently my my domain name my domain name expired somehow, and <laughs> I didn't find out about it. And ah, <laughs> so now like a financial planner in Florida has it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I noticed uh, that. <laughs> there's a new website being set up called Skeleton Tree Media, which is the sort of publishing branch of my of my little mini empire, my my mini nerdy empire. <laughs> SkeletonTreeMedia.com. I, I have a blogspot, MatthewDowSmith.blogspot.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. All Matthew Dow Smith. Um, I'm relatively I'm relatively easy to find. Just Google Doctor Who nerd. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why we love him. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for having me on again. It's always fun to talk to you. It is always fun to have you on, and we will take well, we'll have you back on anytime you want to be here. 